So uh, tonight, the Lord really just put on my heart to talk to you about Jesus being the center, Jesus at the center of our lives. And so, as you see, we, we put the band in the center, and we just wanted to focus our worship tonight. And, and I believe God's going to give us some things that will, will help us in, uh, in just everyday life. You know, we live in South Florida. How many of you guys have been through hurricanes? Right? You know, we, we have hurricanes that blow through, and, and we're all too familiar with the, the function and structure of a hurricane. And uh, if you've ever been through one, the, the 200 mile an hour winds are something to, uh, to contend with. There, there's just a lot that happens in that. Roofs begin to blow off of houses, and, and the waters begin to swell, and floods happen, storms, lightning, hurricane force winds are tearing things apart. There's devastation, but who knows what's in the center of a hurricane? Man, it's just peace. You know, in, in life, so many times, uh, it, it's just like a hurricane. There, there are 200 mile an hour winds beating against us. And, and there are, it seems like the floodwaters rise against us. It seems like things are blowing apart in front of us. And, and we get focused so many times on the swirling wind and the swirling storms of life around us that it's so easy to forget that in the center of all of that swirling turmoil and chaos there's peace, there's calm, there, there's something about focusing in on the center of, of the universe, Jesus. And I think it's so easy sometimes in our, our modern day lives to lose focus on that. It's easy to get to a place where it's, it, you know, we focus on the day-to-day -day circumstances, we, we focus on the problems, we, we focus on the bills that need to be paid, we focus on the things that are, are seemingly going haywire, and, and I think there's just something about going back to, to 2,000 years ago and just for a moment just beginning to focus on Jesus again. You know, there's something to be said about coming back to the basics. There's something to be said about just those sweet kind of, um, you know, just uncomplicated times with God. You know, it just produces that, that place of, of peace. And, and I wonder sometimes how, how well we do 2,000 years later at keeping Jesus the center of our lives. I, I, I even ponder this for myself. It, you know, it's even possible to be in, in ministry and pastor churches. There are great pastors and great churches all around this globe, but, but even in the middle of doing ministry and life and, and, and that type of context, you know, it's, you can do ministry, you can be a pastor and still not have Jesus as the focus of your life. You can be the best mother and not have Jesus as the focus of your life. You can be the best father. You can be the best evangelist. You can be witnessing to everything that has breath and still have Jesus off center in our lives. And as I was kind of pondering through this, I think it, it bears out for us that in, in the middle of 2013, as we start to get into the, the busyness of the holiday season, I, I think it, it, it bears out that we should at least do a little checkup in ourselves and say, man, am I really keeping Jesus at the center of my life or am I caught in the winds of just circumstance? Am I, I caught in the winds of what's happening around me. You know, I, I think we should ask ourselves a question, how are we doing at owning our own generation? Right? I mean, Jesus owned his generation. The disciples owned their generation. When the church was birthed, they owned their generation. And century after century after century, every single generation has been tasked with the mandate of God to own that generation, not just do church, not just exist or listen to Hillsong worship music, nothing against Hillsong worship music, but, 
but there's got to be something more than just the things that we do, purveyors of fine religion. The Bible talks about in the book of Revelation, the, the church that lost its first love. I think we, we live in, in very critical times. I think we live in a day where it's easy to lose our first love and go to church every single weekend. It's, it's easy to sing worship songs and, and read our Bibles, but have lost the first love, have lost the center of our world, the center of our lives, the center of our focus. Are we owning our generation? And, and here's kind of the issue with it is it's hard to evaluate because self-evaluation doesn't measure up to what living for Jesus really is supposed to be. You know, it's hard to look at yourself and say, yeah, I'm doing good. How do you measure your life based on your own self-evaluation? The Pharisees did that. They measured their life in God based on their own self-evaluation. They thought, man, we're doing good. We kind of got this thing down after thousands of years. Here's the temple. Here's the, the stuff that we do. We've got this. And when Jesus arrived on the scene, they missed him. They completely missed the Lord of glory. So you can't evaluate yourself based on yourself or your own thoughts or your own ideas. What, what is the standard? Well, the only standard is the scripture. It's the only standard of how we evaluate is Jesus really the, the center of our lives. And, and so tonight in the book of Luke chapter 9, if you'd like to turn there. Luke chapter 9 verse 23 Jesus speaking here, it says, Then he said to them all, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and let him take up his cross daily and let him follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what profit is it for a man if he gains the entire world and he himself is destroyed or lost? Verse 26, for whoever is ashamed of me and my words of him, the son of man will be ashamed when he comes in his own glory and in his father's and of the holy angels. Tonight I have for you four keys out of this passage Four keys to keeping Jesus the center of your life. Amidst the swirling winds of the hurricane of modern day life, how do you get into the eye of the storm? How do you keep yourself in the place of his presence? How, how do you keep yourself in a place of him being your focus, your end all, your be all? If anyone desires to come after me, Jesus said, if anyone desires to come after to chase after, to, to follow after. Notice that there's this thing that has to happen inside of us that, that desire becomes the, the root of a Jesus-centric life. Let me read a scripture to you. Are you guys tracking with me okay? Listen to this. I want to I wanna share something with you that I think maybe will help us a little bit. Luke chapter 3. Verse 7, you don't have to turn there. I'm just going to read it. It's a little lengthy. Luke chapter 3 and verse 7. This is John the Baptist preaching to the people. He's preparing the way for Jesus who is to be the center. Then he said to the multitudes that came out to be baptized by him, he said, brood of vipers, pretty strong language, who warned you to flee from the wrath that is to come? 
pretty harsh. Therefore, bear fruit worthy of repentance and do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I say to you that God is able to raise up children to Abraham from even these stones. And even now the ax is laid to the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which does not bear fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And so people ask him saying, what shall we do then? And he answered and he said to them, he who has two tunics, let him give to him who has none. And he who has food, let him do likewise. Then the tax collectors also came and they wanted to be baptized. And they said to him, teacher, what shall we do? He said to them, collect no more than what is appointed for you. And then likewise, the soldiers asked him saying, what shall we do, John? And so he said to them, do not intimidate anyone or accuse falsely and be content with your wages. Here's what's happening in this story. Here comes John to prepare the way for the person who's to be the center of our lives, the center of the universe, the center of mankind. He's getting ready to reverse the curse. He's getting ready to institute the new covenant. And what do the people do? They come and they want to get baptized, not because they had a heart for the kingdom of God, but because they were purveyors of fine religion. They were just purveyors of this is the way that we do it. And so here's this guy that shows up on the scene preaching, repent. And they're really not repentant. They're just coming to get baptized because, well, I guess that's what I need to do because that's what people of God do. We just do this stuff. We week in and week out, we just do this stuff. We just do it. We just come. And John looks at him and he says, whoa, ho, ho. You just don't come and do the stuff. You've got to have the heart for it. You can't just come and do the actions of a repentant heart. You actually have to have a repentant heart. And so that sets the stage for Luke. So Luke, Jesus comes on the scene, nine. He says, if anyone desires to come after me on your fill-ins, number one, four keys to keeping Jesus the center. Continuing heart change is the genesis of a Jesus-centric life. It's not just coming to church. It's not just reading the Bible. It's not just doing a Bible studies or going to a woman's conference or a men's meeting or any of those kind of things. That there's got to be something ingrained in the side of inside of us that is a continuous a continuous heart change. It's one growth step in our heart after the other. That constantly we're being challenged. That constantly we're having to face ourselves. Constantly we're having to face the construct of what we call modern day post-Christian America and and religion. That that we're facing those things and we're allowing our hearts to be pliable. We're not just doing the acts of repentance. We're actually repenting for some things. We're we're actually soft and broken towards the Lord. We're, We're not just going out to evangelize the streets. We're doing it with tears in our eyes and a heart that's broken for the lost, not just because our churches have programmed the thing. You know, we, we put these things together, and I'm, I'm, not, I'm trying not to get negative. Don't get negative, Pastor Ben. Don't break prophetically bad on us tonight. We put these programs in place to get people to come and the wafting of coffee smells and Starbucks and a church and and we put these evangelistic events on and and all of these kind of things. We put the instruments in the center of the room (laughs) to get people motivated to do something for Jesus. 
I wonder if we've just lost the heart. Not Generation Church. You guys are amazing. You guys are here on Wednesday night. But in these last days, the state of the church, some, somebody's got somebody's to light the match. Maybe it's you. I feel like the church globally is in survival mode, but I want to get them in revival, not survival. Continuing heart change is the genesis of a Jesus-centric life. He said, if anyone desires to come after me, desires to come after me, not come after me because that's what I'm supposed to do, but I desire you, Jesus. I desire your presence. Your presence is heaven to me. Your presence is heaven to me. I I desire to chase after you, to, to follow after you. This word in the Greek, desire, I'm not trying to be cute, but there's just some things that you don't get in the English language. This word in the Greek, it means to will, to have into mind, to intend, to be resolved to go after Jesus, to be determined, to purpose, to desire, to wish, to love, to like, to do a thing, to be fond of doing it, to take delight in it, to have pleasure in it. And the last one is to seize it with your mind. I think it just covers all the bases. It covers everything that, that inside of us, there's this heart change. Being a follower of Jesus requires that I ask the question, what is my biggest heart change need right now? What is my biggest heart change need? In your notes, there's a little place there for you to fill it in. I want you to take just a minute And as I'm talking, I want you just to to evaluate your life. What is my biggest heart change need right now? What is it? Most of us have this this thing going on inside of us that we know God is working on. Like, what is it that God is trying to get us to do that that we've been kind of fighting against? What's this thing that, that is the key to unlocking the next level of our life in relationship with God and, and all the things that he's called us to do? And, and it's like, you know it's there, but there's this fear that keeps you from moving into it. There are these excuses that, that keep us from pressing into it. What is the biggest need in my heart that needs to change? What's the biggest need in your heart? You can change all the behavior. You can change all of your actions. You can even change your philosophy. You can even change your theology. You can change everything about your life. If it doesn't change in your heart first, it's not real change. It's not real change. It's destined to go away. Being a follower of Jesus starts with a heart that is just passionate about him. It's drawn to him. If anyone desires to follow after me, to come after me, let him deny himself. Let him deny himself. Number two, accepting a priority change cultivates Jesus at the center of your life. When he says, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself or herself 
means that our priorities have got to begin to be reassigned or realigned. That something happens inside of our heart, but then the priorities, our philosophies, maybe even our theologies, the, the things that we place importance on, they begin to change at some point. We have to begin to deny some of the things that we want because Jesus is really what we want. We have to begin to deny some of the things that we think are cute to us because really it's the kingdom that is important. Priorities begin to change. Priorities begin to shift. And, and it is those priority shifts that begin to cultivate God's de destiny and his plan for your life. How many of you guys believe every single person in here is called to something? You'll never walk in your calling until your heart changes for that calling. Never will. You'll never be effective in that calling until your priorities begin. The priority shift is what cultivates what God created you to do. When Melissa and I were youth pastoring, it was the priority shift of starting a church that cultivated us for five years. We youth pastored in this large church, and our priorities were shifting towards what God had put inside of us. The heart changed. I wanted to go to medical school. I wanted to be a physician. I wanted to, to, to do all of those science things that I bore you guys with on the weekend services. And my heart changed, and then my priorities began to change. It is those priority changes that cultivate Jesus at the center. The only way that our priority, priorities begin to change is when we deny what we want for a time and that we begin to find satisfaction in what God wants. We begin to find satisfaction. I mean, you know, if we, we talk about this idea of satisfaction just a little bit, I mean, it, the, the theologian Mick Jagger says, I can't get no. Right? I mean, isn't that the kind of life? That's the theology of life. I can't get no satisfaction. And I think the reason why we can't get no satisfaction is because we're looking in the wrong place for satisfaction. Our priorities are, and I'm not against a career. I had one. I just traded it in for different priorities. And I'm not telling you to do that. But here's the reality. In your priorities or in your career, you can have God's priorities, right? You don't have to trade your job in and become a pastor or a minister. But the priorities begin to shift right where you are. That's the key. And you begin to find that satisfaction of Jesus at the center of your life because those priorities begin to shift and they begin to bring the satisfaction that we're looking for. I mean, we talk about Jesus 6.33. It's, I'm almost reluctant to even quote uh, Matthew 6.33. Did I say Jesus 6.33? That should be a book in the Bible. <laughs> right after Job and Job. Jesus 6.33. We talk about Matthew 6.33, and I'm a little reluctant to even quote it because I feel like it's been so quoted, it's become cliche, and we've lost the power of seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness, and then all things are added to us. I feel like we say it so much that it glazes over us, and, and we think, yeah, I need to be seeking the kingdom. And, and to some degree, almost like the Pharisees, our actions, our, our seeking of the kingdom, are really not seeking the kingdom. We're just doing the actions of somebody who would seek the kingdom. We've missed the heart behind it. We missed the priority behind it. 
That word in the Greek, deny, it means to forget oneself, to lose sight of oneself, and to be lost of one's own interests. Wow. I mean, I would ask you, are you, have you lost sight of your own interests in the light of his interest for your life? Second question to ask yourself tonight. Being a follower of Jesus requires that I ask the question, what is my biggest priority change right now? It's my biggest priority change right now. I have priorities. I have them structured. I have one, two, three. These are the things I want to do and accomplish in life. This is what my, my desires, my dreams, my plans are. They may or may not line up with what God has for me. It depends on where your heart is. But every single one of us, me included, have priority changes. What is my biggest priority change that I need to make right now? It's a thing that needs to shift inside of me. You think about somebody in ministry pastoring a super fast growing church, taking the city for Jesus. My priorities are to reach every lost person I can in here, but maybe that's not Jesus' priority. Maybe Jesus' priority for me is just set at his feet a little while longer. You see what I'm getting at tonight? It's, it's not about the things that look right. It's about the things that he is saying to us. What is he saying to you? Priority shift is he giving you in your life? And he says, take up his cross daily. If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and let him take up his or her cross daily. Notice that our behaviors, those are the daily things. The cross, taking up the cross daily, is just how we act. It's, it's what we do. The cross is something that you pick up. It's a behavior. It's, it's a part of just living through everyday life. Take that thing up, those behaviors every single day, and grade them against Jesus as the focus of our lives. Are my behaviors in alignment if Jesus were the center? Are my behaviors... Notice that the heart change, the priority change, all those things came before the behavior change. It has to be heart transformation that produces behavior modification. Doesn't mean that we never modify our behaviors. We do. We have to eventually get there, but it has to start inside. So embracing behavioral change aligns your life to Jesus' mission. Number three, embracing behavioral change aligns your life to Jesus' mission. You know, after your heart gets bent there and your priorities begin to change, then you you have to begin to put your hands to that thing. And it is the putting of your hands to that mission that begins to align you with what God has for your life. It, it aligns your life to Jesus' mission. We become on a co-mission. Not a commission, a co-mission. Co-laborers laboring for the same things that, that Jesus labored for. As Jesus is the center of your life, we find that our actions, they, they have to begin to change. Not just the bad ones going away, but that there are new intentional behaviors that 
that build the kingdom of God, those things begin to develop. Ever met somebody that you're just like, man, Jesus is just the center of their world? Met somebody like that? You're a little freaked out by them, maybe? You're like, dude, just take a chill pill. Right? And then we, we try to say, you know, that'll wear off a little bit. Just relax, dude. It's going to be okay. The reality is, is they don't need to relax. We probably just need to grab a little bit of what they got. Take a match and light our own world on fire. Getting out of survival mode and into revival mode. Embracing behavioral change. The third question to ask yourself tonight is, being a follower of Jesus requires that I ask the question, what is my biggest behavioral change that I need to make right now? What's the biggest behavioral change I need to make right now? I mean, am I crazy or do you guys have those in your head right now? Because I got a bunch. I got a bunch of heart change things I need to make right now. I, I have some priority change things. I'm the only one raising my hand. I'm just, I felt a little concerned there for a second, a little like an outcast. I have some behavioral things that I need to change. And it's, it's not bad things that I need to change. I stopped beating Melissa years ago. <laughs> have you seen the guns? I mean... It's not bad things that I need to change. There are behavioral things that unlock the purpose of Jesus in my life. There are behavioral things that I need to start. There are some things that I've dabbled with that I need to do more. And that's the thing that when Jesus is the center of your life, you're not fighting just to behave. You're not fighting just to keep it between the ditches. Jesus is the center of your life. The behavioral changes are, are those small incremental little things that unlock his purpose, unlock his mission for you, unlock the destiny that he died to give you. What are those little behavioral things? So take up your cross daily. I, you know, let me say this and then we'll move on. Those behavioral things are a daily thing. They really are. Destiny's daily decisions. Destiny's daily decisions. What, what you are doing every single day is building who, are you, who you were going to become one day. Like, you know, you just don't wake up one day and you're Billy Graham. You just don't wake up one day and you are the evangelist to the nation's prophet to the world. You just don't wake up one day and, and all of these things have just happened. Billy Graham got to where he was and is by one change after the next, one day after the next. What's, what's the behavioral change that you need to make every day? So take up your cross daily and then follow me. Follow me. Well, talk about two powerful words in, in the day, modern day of Twitter where we follow everybody followed Justin Bieber. Some of us follow Justin Bieber better than we follow Jesus. Just 
saying. Follow me, the original Twitter. Somebody should probably tweet that. Follow me. Number four, encircling a destination change positions you at the feet of Jesus. Encircling a destination change positions you at the feet of Jesus. When Jesus said, follow me, he changed their destinations. When Jesus said, follow me, their destiny, eternal and earthly, changed. The destination of their physical bodies and the destination of their souls changed when he said those two words, follow me, follow me. We owe it to ourselves to ask the last question. We owe it to Jesus. Being a follower of Jesus requires that I ask the question, what is the destination change that Jesus is working on in my heart right now? I'm not saying career change. I'm not saying you trade in your spouse. What is the destiny change? All of us are moving at a rocket speed to some destination. To some destination in life. Good, bad, ugly, indifferent. We're all moving at light speed someplace. And our destiny's daily decisions are directing that path. What is the destination change? just a minute and if you've already written your answers down just close your eyes just have a moment with the Lord if you're still kind of thinking we'll give you just a minute think about Melissa and my destination change to leave the corporate world leave medical school to honestly leave our families our retirement package to get a destination change wow what a critical move for our lives can't even really imagine where we would be had we not allowed that change to happen in us.